Welcome to Aggravating Circumstances, a true crime podcast. I am your host, Laura Saremi. This is Season 1, Episode 2, Unintended Consequences. Season 1 of Aggravating Circumstances tells the story of Destry Cord McKinney, a musician, studio producer, combat medic, and father. This is a tale of hidden evidence, unintended consequences, and a wrongful conviction. Hopefully you joined us last week for episode one. If not, you may want to hit pause and go back and start there, and we will wait for you. Last, never first, no worse since birth. Got my hopes set on heaven because it's hell here on earth. My life was a mess. Calls will be recorded and may be monitored. You may start the conversation now. Hey, hey. I was telling Destry, I, I said, when uh, it comes to wrongful convictions, I was like, uh, uh, Laura's pretty passionate. I said, and, uh, <laughs> she, she, ain't, she ain't scared. <laughs> Last week, we spoke about two cases where someone shot into a vehicle. They were both in Alabama. They were both within a year of each other. And the end results and consequences could not have been more different. It was the case of Dr. Lewis McCurdy Jr., who shot a thief who was fleeing his daughter's house. Dr. McCurdy shot and killed Jonathan Malmay in his car. It was ruled self-defense, and there were no charges against Dr. McCurdy. Just the year before, Destry McKinney was being run over by a car driven by Stevlin Seals. He shot in self-defense. He tried to save her. He took her to the hospital. He is serving a life without parole sentence. So before we can get into why this is and the trial, the witnesses, the evidence, and all of the things that went very much sideways in this case, we really have to go back in time and figure out why this was a capital murder case to begin with. So in order to explore this topic today, we're going to talk about unintended consequences. There are innumerable laws that have unintended consequences, and many laws are passed with good intentions or they are reactionary to a crime. The problem is when they pass these laws, they don't put a lot of thought into what the unintended consequences are going to be. So the first one that we're going to discuss today is the phenomenon of hot car deaths. For the last 20 years in the United States, Every seven to 10 days, a child under the age of 15 dies because they were left in a hot car. These are almost universally horrible accidents. And I'm going to date myself here, but when I was a child, we did not have seatbelts in the back seat. Car seats were not a thing. There were no laws about children riding anywhere they wanted. It was routine to ride in the bed of a pickup truck, which I'm pretty sure is against the law everywhere now. So before there were seatbelt laws that said that kids had to ride in the back seat or kids had to ride in car seats, hot car deaths didn't happen. Children did not get left in cars when these laws did not come into existence. So they changed the laws and they said, whoa, 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 whoa. Kids shouldn't ride in the bed of pickup trucks and they should ride in car seats and they should ride in the back seat because if you hit someone in your car and they're in the front, they're more likely to be killed. This makes complete sense. But the unintended consequence of this law is that now children are left in back seats for a variety of reasons. And one thing I want to point out is they've done extensive research 
on these accidents. And what they find is the fact that people believe this could never happen to me. I would never leave my child in the backseat. So those people, because they just have this faith that it could never happen to them, they don't take any precautions to make sure it doesn't happen to them. And those are the people it happens to. So don't be that person. Don't think, oh, this could never happen to me. There are simple steps you could take to make sure it doesn't happen. One that I like the most is to have a stuffed animal like a teddy bear. And that stuffed animal lives in the car seat. When your child is in the car seat, the stuffed animal goes in the front seat. So it's a very visual reminder, hey, there's a baby in the back seat in a car seat. Don't get distracted because somebody sent you a text message or a work called or you have a big case pending or you have an emergency visit or whatever is happening. Take some steps or precautions to make sure that that doesn't happen to you. Don't be one of those people that believes it won't happen to you. Don't don't forget those kids in the backseat. One of the most famous cases was the very tragic hot car death of Cooper Harris. He was 22 months old. It was in Atlanta, Georgia. And the Atlanta Journal-Constitution did a fantastic season of their podcast breakdown on the Cooper Harris, Justin Ross Harris case. So if you want to hear about that, that's a great podcast. One of the unintended consequences of changing the seatbelt laws, which was supposed to save children's lives, and it does, was that it created this hazard that I guarantee none of those legislators predicted when they changed the law. So now children die in hot cars, and that never happened before those laws were changed. So that is the first legal unintended consequence of today. The next legal unintended consequence I want to talk about are felony murder laws. Felony murder laws have some semblance in logic. The basis of a felony murder law is that if you commit a crime with someone else and one of you does something that is terrible, you can all be held accountable. The idea behind this is if you go commit something like a robbery with buddies and you shoot someone, everyone is responsible. The theory behind these laws is that it would be a deterrent. The problem is most people that are doing ridiculous things like this aren't thinking about the consequences. These can be rash actions for a variety of reasons. So let's say that today is the day that you and a buddy decide you're going to rob the gas station for $85. Because trust me, if you're you're robbing a gas station, you're not going to get a lot of money. So tonight's the night. You're going to go rob the gas station. And you're doing this because you're 17 and you don't have a developed sense of consequence or you're on drugs and you have a drug habit and you really need that $85 or you're hanging out with the wrong crowd or whatever reason you're making these poor life choices. So you go to the gas station, your buddy has the gun and he points it at the attendant and says, give me all the money in the drawer. You get your $85. Somebody panics and shoots the person at the gas station and they die. Now, The person with a gun has committed a murder, but the person who didn't have a gun is just as accountable and can receive exactly the same charges. So both of you can now go down for murder. You could potentially be facing the death penalty or a life sentence or whatever the consequences are where you live. And so this is what happens with the felony murder laws. Well, it seems like a good idea in premise that, well, you know, maybe I won't go rob that gas station with my buddy if he kills him and I can be responsible for that. But I can pretty much guarantee that 17-year-old didn't know that was a possible consequence. 
But besides that, we're going to talk about three felony murder cases that illustrate my point about unintended consequences. An old case, a new case, and a really famous case. The old case takes us back to October 23rd of 1974 in Lubbock County, Texas. Doyle Edward Skillern and Charles Victor Sauna were working out a drug deal with who turned out to be an undercover state's narcotic agent, a man named Patrick Randall. This had been in the works for quite a while, and Patrick Randall was trying to set up a drug deal to catch them dealing drugs. They had met in a hotel room where other agents had observed the meeting from an adjacent room. This was 1974, so electronic surveillance was not really developed at that time. The day before the drug deal, Skillern and Sauna actually got suspicious and started thinking that Patrick Randall was some kind of informant. Little did they know. They decided to go through with the drug deal anyway, and Sauna and Randall met at the hotel room and left together in a car to go several miles away and have the drug deal transaction. However, Charles Sauna had decided that because he didn't know who this guy was and was suspicious of him that instead of selling him drugs, he would just steal his money. Because if Randall is there to buy drugs, he should have money. So he decides he's just going to rob him. Doyle Skillern had no knowledge of this. So Doyle Skillern arrives in a separate car just as Charles Sauna shoots and kills Patrick Randall. Skillern wasn't even in the car and had no idea about this. Now, here's what happens with felony murder laws. They were both convicted, and Skillern got the death penalty. Now, remember, Skillern was not in the car and had no idea that Sauna was going to kill Patrick Randall. Sauna admitted in court that Skillern didn't know anything about it because he didn't know anything about it because it was a bit of a last-minute decision. Charles Sauna in the car with Patrick Randall shoots and kills him, and he gets a life sentence but Skillern, who was not in the car with him, gets the death penalty. Doyle Edward Skillern was executed in 1985. Charles Victor Sauna is still sitting in prison to this day. So these are the results of a felony murder law, where the person who committed the murder is serving less of a penalty than the person who did not commit the murder and wasn't even in the same vicinity. I'm certain this was not the intention of felony murder laws, and it certainly doesn't feel like justice. That was the old case. Let's go on to a new case. This case takes us to Birmingham, Alabama in June of 2004, when several police officers decided to arrest Nathaniel Woods for a misdemeanor warrant. They went into a house where Carrie Spencer, a drug dealer in the area, was sleeping with a rifle on his lap. When he awoke to police officers with their guns trained at him, he came out shooting. Carrie shot four police officers, killing three of them and wounding a fourth. He killed Carlos Owen, Harley Chisholm III, Charles Bennett, and he shot Michael Collins in the leg, who survived. Spencer said repeatedly on the record that Nathaniel Woods had nothing to do with it and had no idea he was going to shoot anyone because he didn't know he was going to shoot anyone. It was one of those moments in time. Carrie Spencer had a non-unanimous jury verdict, which we can get into later, but that means that his sentence will most likely be converted to a life sentence. 
Nathaniel Woods, who did not shoot any of them, didn't know anything about it, and who Carrie Spencer says is completely innocent, was given the death penalty and was executed in March of 2020. Once again, we have a felony murder case where the killer is serving less of a sentence than somebody who was there, and in this case, most likely had absolutely nothing to do with it. And this brings us to the really famous case. If you're a true crime buff or a wrongful conviction advocate, you may have heard of the Elkhart Four. The Elkhart Four was actually five young men, four teenagers, and a 21-year-old named Danzel Johnson that decided to break into a house. They knocked on the door because they didn't want to break in anywhere where anyone was home. None of them even had weapons. This wasn't a home invasion. This was a burglary. They knocked on the door. No one answered. They broke into the house and the homeowner came out and shot two of them. He killed Danzel Johnson on the scene and he shot one of the teenagers who survived. These boys, two of them were 16, one was 17, one was 18, and Danzel Johnson was 21. Because the homeowner killed Danzel Johnson, the four teenage boys were all charged as adults, charged with murder, and convicted of murder. Two of them received a 55-year sentence, one a 50-year sentence, and one a 45-year sentence. Let me repeat that. Four teenagers who broke into a house who didn't kill anyone were convicted and sentenced for 50 years in prison for the homeowner killing one of their friends. This is not okay. This cannot be considered justice. We're using felony murder laws to put teenagers away for essentially the rest of their lives for something that they didn't even do. This is complete insanity. And once again, this is when we talk about unintended consequences of these laws, because in the wording of the law, it says if a homicide is committed during the commission of a felony, everyone can be charged. Well, the homicide was committed, but it wasn't committed by one of the people committing the felony. It was committed by the homeowner who shot and killed their friend. And then four of them went to prison for someone else killing their friend. This case just makes me completely insane. And that brings us back to the case of Destry McKinney. In order to understand why Destry McKinney had a capital murder case, we have to go back to December of 1991. In this time, gang violence was resurging around the country. The gangs of the 20s and 30s, which were Irish, Italian, and Polish, had basically gone away. There was none, if little, gang activity in the 60s and 70s, but the end of the 80s and the early 90s showed a resurgence of gang activity, which were mostly Hispanic and African-American. These often had to do with drugs and territory. A teenager named Benjamin Oriang in December of 1991 in Alabama decided to go on a joyride between Montgomery and Birmingham and shot several people on the highway, shooting into several cars. Several people were injured and killed. At the time, shooting into a vehicle was not a capital murder charge in Alabama, Benjamin Oriang created a pretty big public outcry because of this, as well as the fact that he was shown on television making gang symbols in court with his fingers. The Alabama legislature came back essentially immediately in 1992 and passed Act 92601. And what this law did was it made shooting into or out of vehicles or shooting into or out of a dwelling a capital murder charge. 
Now in Alabama, if you have a capital murder charge, there are only two sentencing options, the death penalty or life without parole. Because this was not the law when Benjamin Oriang had his drive-by shootings, he was given two life sentences and a 50-year sentence. Now, this was December of 91, and I will say that Benjamin Oriang is still in prison to this day. But they changed the law. They passed this 92601, which made drive-by shootings a capital murder charge. They did clarify what they intended to do with this law, and they published a memorandum that said that when vehicles are used to incite terror in drive-by shootings was their intent. So these were truly, this law was intended for gang-related drive-by shootings. The problem is that's not technically what the law says, which gives prosecutors the leeway to use this law when they feel like it. Let's go back to 2001 and the shooting that Dr. Lewis McCurdy was involved in. He shot and killed Jonathan Malmay in the driveway. He shot into a vehicle. He was not charged. Destry McKinney, in the year 2000, shot in self-defense into a vehicle. He was charged with capital murder and given life without parole. Mind you, he was in his own driveway, on his own property, using self-defense. He was not gang-affiliated, and this was not a drive-by shooting. So this was certainly not the intent of the law, yet it was used against him, but not used against Dr. McCurdy. Now let's talk about Steve Bedgood. In 2003 in Mobile, Steve Bedgood pulled into his yard and there was someone in his shed. This was probably a thief, someone stealing from him. He pulled in and the person left the shed, got in his car and drove off down the road. Steve Bedgood fired five to six shots after the person shooting into his car and through the back. He fired five to six shots. He hit him at least three times, killing him. Steve Bedgood was not charged with capital murder. They did not use Act 92601 against him. They charged him with a minimal firearms violation, and he received one year of probation. He killed someone fleeing down the road and did not serve a day in jail. Manslaughter charges in Alabama are 2 to 20 years, and manslaughter using a deadly weapon is a minimum of a 10-year sentence. This guy didn't get any prison time. I have a lot of questions about this. Let's go on to the case of Dietra Catlin. Dietra Catlin got into an altercation with another woman. During the altercation, she wound up stepping out onto the porch and firing at her, killing her. Because she stepped out onto the porch, this was now considered shooting into a dwelling, even though she'd been in the room moments before, and they were able to use Act 92601 against Dietra Catlin, and she received a life without parole sentence. So now we have Destry McKinney and Deidre Catlin. Destry shot into a car in self-defense. He got a life without parole sentence. Deidre shot someone from a porch and got a life without parole sentence. Lewis McCurdy shot someone in self-defense, served no time, and Steve Bedgood murdered a thief who was fleeing down the road and got one year of probation. When we start talking about systemic racism, the system isn't broken, The system was built like this. Even the premise of the law 92601, it's supposed to be about gangs. What color are people in gangs? Gangs are not typically white people. So this law at its very premise was targeted against people of color. And now we have four cases in Alabama, 
all within just a few years of each other, none of which were too far apart, and the two white people served not a single day in jail, and the two black people are serving life without parole sentences. Next time, we'll get into why Destry was arrested to begin with and what happened. So we'll start getting into the trial, the evidence, the witnesses, the hidden evidence, and so much more. This case has so many twists and turns. It's definitely going to be a bumpy ride. So don't forget to fasten your seatbelts. Definitely don't forget those kids in the back seat. Everyone stay safe, and we'll see you next time. This is an ongoing story, so if you have anything you would like to add or anything you would like to tell me, please reach out at my email at circpod at gmail.com. That's C-I-R-C-P-O-D at gmail.com. There's also a blog that corresponds to this story that can be found on the website, which is aggravatingcircumstances.com. You can also reach the website at circpod.com, C-I-R-C-P-O-D.com. Don't be shy. I'd love to hear from you. If you like this podcast, we would love some five-star reviews. Tell your friends, and we look forward to seeing you next time. We'll be finishing up with music by Destry McKinney. Christ is the first word in me birth. Alpha, everything that many come first. Redeemer of the world, man, he broke that curse. No abracadabra, wouldn't none of that work. Took God in the flesh coming here on earth. Gave us everything despite our work. Could have brushed us off the shoulder, what that means? We dirt, really, the only reason I ain't in the dirt. Gotta open up your heart to receive this mission. Everything is in Jesus, that's clear. Understand me, all praises go to him. A wonderful counselor, man. Magnificent name at the cross, I remain. Got my eyes wide open, and yes, I'm focused, receiving this blessing. I'm one of it chosen because your love and kindness is better than life. Let my lips praise your name, meditation day and night. Manifested in the flesh He loved us so much that he gave us his best He came into this world to save you and me Power over sin gave us victory He's Jesus, Lord and Savior of my life Got God on the inside, I'm walking in the light The devil is defeated, he's under my feet I had to make this clear so all y'all can see I represent so this worship that I'm sending Is for the most high, almighty, never ending the El Shaddai, Jehovah, Jireh, Elohim, my God, the Supreme, Lord and Lord, King of Kings. Heavenly Father, Yahweh, the Creator, the Ancient of Days, the one that saved there's nothing greater. I come to you shouting glory, hallelujah, and if they can't feel me, it's because they never knew you.
been led astray Knocked down, turned around, but now I'm here to stay I'm on the journey of a lifetime Holding to my lifeline One God, one Lord, one faith and one mind Praise God, I made it through I read the Bible with desire till I found the truth Now I'm walking it out with no doubt, no fear The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit made the whole thing clear Now mama couldn't save me and neither could the judge But Jesus reshaped me with just one touch And then he redeemed me with his own blood I've been pulled from the fire, baptized in the flood And it's by grace that I'm saved through faith And it's by God I survived this case Along with every vice and every demon I face It's an act of love of the Lord I embrace So gang, 